Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, you're worthy of our praise. We come before you, humbling ourselves before you. Because you are the God who deserves our praise. Lord, we submit ourselves to you and your spirit. We know that your spirit works in us, converts us, and conforms us to the image of your Son. So we ask of you, O God, work in us this morning. Make us like your Son through the power of your Spirit. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. This weekend was an incredible weekend for our family. This weekend was uh, a time in which we celebrated. Uh, My oldest daughter got married, if you don't know. And we celebrated that with great joy. And and I woke up Saturday morning, the day after the wedding. And I went to post something uh, on social media for, for something. And I think a picture from the wedding. And I went to tag my daughter in that wedding. And I typed in Abby. And and when I typed in Abby, it came up as Abby Burke. And reality set in. My daughter's my daughter's a Burke. She's not Abby Horton. We we were overwhelmed by the amount of support. And love that was shown to us in that whole process, the help that was given to us to make that happen was, was incredible. But what happened was, um, was more than just natural. Uh, there is a supernatural side of marriage in which when, when two people come together, committing themselves to each other, and unite themselves not only with each other, but with God. And this is why we as Christians, we celebrate and understand Christian marriage. Uh, Our culture around us has really redefined what marriage is. Um, I do not subscribe to the new definition of what marriage is. Uh, I subscribe to Christian marriage the way that God set forth for it to be. And with that said, when, when God sets forth marriage... Jesus himself gave a command that said this. A man should leave his father and mother and cling, cleave to his wife. A man should leave his father and mother and a new family begins. A new family began and my daughter is now in a new family. She is in the Burke family. And while she is still my daughter, and I will still see her regularly, she's in a new family. And that new family is now her primary identity. She is commanded to leave the family and be a part of the new one. Now, in that principle, 
we have a, a, a passage that Jason read for us earlier that talked about us being, in, in fact, let me read it to you. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 is on, should be on our screen here shortly. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. We talked about this last week, that he has come, that Jesus has revealed and put all of the pieces together. 1,500 years of stuff and people getting it wrong. Finally, Jesus comes and says, let me put the puzzle together for you. He puts it together for you. And everybody around him goes, you got it wrong. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't get it wrong. He got it right. And he presents that. And now we look at the puzzle and go, yes, we see now Jesus brought clarity to all of these pieces that were functioning in their own fashion for 1,500 years. Jesus has bringing us understanding, comprehension. So that we may know him who is true. You see, the goal of bringing all the pieces together is so that we might know God, the true God. Not that so we can become more moral people, but so that we can know God. Now, being moral people is certainly a byproduct of that. But if we don't know God, we've missed the point. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus showed up. They knew to quote scripture. They knew how to do certain things, but they missed the, the real knowing that they needed. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you'll find life. And Jesus said, I'm the one that has life. Let me keep reading. God has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are, help me out church, and we are what? couple of y'all helped me out. And we are what? In him who is true. We are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. So, so let's talk about that for a moment. We are in him. Now, I opened up talking about how my daughter is now in a new family. Her identity is changed. Her name has changed. She's still the same person. But she's a new member of a new family. So I want you to think about that. And this is what conversion is. This is what transformation is. This is when, when your life is so changed from the inside that you begin to understand, I am not the same person that I was. I, I'm not the same Spirit that I was. I don't have the same desires that I was. I am now in a new family. And I'm in the family of God. And things don't work the same as they used to. I don't think the same as I used to. And if that happened to you, and now you love Jesus more than you love anything else, you understand what conversion is. Being Christian is not just coming to church. It is being in Christ. It is being in Christ. I was listening to Alistair Begg yesterday. He's one of my favorite preachers. Alistair Begg said, you know, if you read through the New Testament, you are not going to find the Apostle Paul calling people Christians. 
at all. There are two times, three times in the New Testament where we find the word Christian. One is where people around them in Antioch called people Christian first at Antioch. Then we have King Agrippa during the conversation with Paul saying, Do you think in such a short time you'll convince me to be a Christian? And then we have Peter talking about suffering as a Christian. Those are the three times we see the word Christian in the New Testament. And, and, and when I introduce myself to people, I introduce myself, right? I say as a Christian. When I'm teaching classes at my computer job, I say as a Christian, these are some of the foundational values I have. I use that to describe myself. And Alistair Begg told me, he said, you know, I don't, even, I don't use the word Christian when describing myself because so many people don't know what that even means. I tell people that I am in Christ. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that or shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm just telling you what, what he said. He said, people are confused by that. So I say, I am in Christ. And that begins, people might look at you funny and say, well, what does that mean? And so as I read this passage in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20... When he says, we are in him who is true, we are in Christ, his son, Jesus Christ, I began to think, well, what does that mean? I'm a Christian, I identify as this thing, but lots of people don't know what this thing is. So, okay, let's say I do identify myself as being in Christ. My daughter recognizes herself as being in the Burks. So I thought, let's go to the Word. The Bible can tell me what it means to be in Christ. Right, Granny? Get your Bible ready. We're going to be going through the New Testament together. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. This is what happens when you are in Christ. Might be saying, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, the conversion takes place. Your spirit is made new. Your desires change. Your, your mindset changes. Primarily, your love changes. Your affections. What you love changes. You recognize, I am a sinner. I deserve God's wrath upon me for all eternity because I am a transgressor. I've broken God's law. But... I recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save me from my sin. And I like that. And I like that a lot. So much that I am willing to follow Jesus Christ. That takes place. And that conversion, that new being born again, Jesus called it, happens. And now we are followers of Jesus. We are in Christ. Brother Bill... When he was here, he, he spoke a lot of this, and he gave this illustration. Brother Bill Satterwhite, if you don't know him, he's a church member. He's gone to be with the Lord several years ago. He gave this illustration. I love it. He said, when, when you see Noah and Noah get in that boat, and that God's wrath is being poured out on the sinfulness of sin to the sinfulest extent in that world, and that's how it's described in Genesis chapter 6. 
And Noah rises above the, the stored up wrath of God. Noah is in the boat and that boat is Christ. He saves us from the wrath of God. And as those who are not in the boat experience God's punishment, those in the Christ in the boat do not. What a great illustration. What are the repercussions of that? Romans 6.11. So you must also consider yourselves, help me out church, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When you are in Christ Jesus, you are dead to one thing. You are alive to something new. You are dead to something. You have no relationship with the world and its system. It's dead to you. It is, you are not functioning in the realm of godlessness. You are now alive in the world of Christ, in the heavenly places. There are two domains. There's the world of the domain of godlessness and the world that is its father is the devil. We read that just a couple verses earlier that Satan rules this world. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And then there's the domain, the heavenly places, the place where the kingdom of God exists. You are alive now, dead to one, alive to another if you are in Christ. Now, that's awesome. Let me remind you, Christian, or maybe you are you're just wrestling with the world and what the world is tugging you to do. Can I remind you, you have no allegiance or satisfaction in the world's thinking and the world's system. Your deepest joys as a Christian are in the heavenly places, in Christ. Invest your time and effort in the kingdom of God. I spoke to someone who helped us immensely at the, the wedding, at the setup, which took a lot of time, at the teardown, which took so much effort. And I expressed thanks to someone that was there by us through the whole thing. And this person said, we get such a great joy out of serving God's people. Alive in Christ to serve others. That song we sang. We're God's servants. Romans 8 verse 2. Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? Romans 8 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Not only are you existing not in the worldly places, you're alive in Christ, but the power of God has freed you from the power of sin and death. Meaning, those things don't own you anymore. That the Spirit of God is now the driving controller in your life. And yeah, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to get distracted. We're all going to fall. It happens. But when those things happen, how do we respond? Do we say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just going to keep doing those things. Or does the Spirit of God convict us to draw us away from those sins and bring us to a place of repentance? 
That's evidence. And we've walked through 1 John. The evidence of Christianity is that you don't cling to your sin and try to justify it. You confess it and move on from it. The power of sin you are freed from. Still in Romans chapter 16 verse 3. Greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul could have easily said other Christians. But he goes further and more descriptive here, doesn't he? He talks of, how does he describe them as fellow what? As fellow workers. You notice that. In the church that Paul's writing to, he describes people as workers. When Jesus prayed, the harvest is plentiful, but the what? The workers, the laborers are few. Oh, that this church would see themselves as workers for the kingdom. Wow, so delighted. I talked with a church member this morning. We had talked about somebody who's been coming to church here and, and, and just really could use some encouragement, some Christian brothers to encourage this person. And this brother told me, look, I've been reaching out to this person. I've been sending messages, encouraging this person in their faith this week. Oh, my heart melted. My heart melted. This is laboring together in the kingdom to encourage people into faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's what we need. That's what this church is about. Laboring together. Praise the Lord. Oh, so it's just, man, I, so good, y'all. Fellow workers in Christ. We are now in the family. You know, we put our last name in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the, what? The grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. You are gifted in grace. 1 Corinthians is a book that talks a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people get hung up on, on um, certain gifts or, or things and lots of discussions happen around certain gifts. You know, the point of 1 Corinthians is... Several things, but one of the primary points is this. You are gifted in many ways. Use those gifts for the kingdom. And you receive those gifts because God has given you special ways to serve Him. How many of y'all were in a Sunday school class this morning and there was a teacher that showed up that gave you the Word of God? All right. A gift that was given to you. Tomorrow we're going to be here for Fourth of July. And there are going to be people behind there with their glass saying, serve you. Got their cup. Here you go. What you want. They're going to be giving you drinks, filling those cups with a gift of service. There are people who have rearranged the sanctuary a thousand times in their lives for church services. A gift of service. There are people who organize our events there are people who make decisions about what needs to happen in this church. Gifts. There are people who make phone calls regularly. There are people who go and deliver 
the juice and the bread to people who can't leave their houses. They do that every month. In Christ. Do you see in Christ what happens? This is what it means to be in Christ. You are gifted and you use those gifts as laborers in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Look at this, this phrase that you are established. God establishes us with you. Now what's going on here in Christ? Because you are in Christ, you now have something new, something established, and it is fellowship. We, we put in a lot of work this week for our wedding, and I can tell you it was, it was my Christian brothers and sisters who showed up. And gave hours, took off work, uh, who, who devoted themselves to serving food, setting up a room, preparing food, decorating, sanctuary, doing all of these things that needed to be done. It was my brothers and sisters in Christ who showed up and who helped. And it was beautiful. It, I, We were so overwhelmed as a family to see it. There is an established koinonia, an established fellowship. There is something that God does when he draws people together in Christ. If you are in Christ, you're part of a new family. And that's what we are this morning. We're a family. We're a big family in a room. We have a meal together. We worship God together. We sing songs together. That's that's who we are. We're established. We are brothers and sisters. And that is why I'm so thankful that we as a church present the fellowship meal To people that aren't even members of this church. Because we recognize that we're members in Christ. In Christ. And that goes deeper than church membership. Now this is good. Oh, this is so good. Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Y'all still with me? Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 through 19. I'm going to read this whole passage. And there are two things in here I want y'all to see. What does it mean to be in Christ? Therefore, if anyone is what? Come on, y'all help me out. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's something new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What a great passage this is. 
Verse 17. If you are in Christ, you are what? A new creation. You got it. There is a new creation. There's something that's, that's new. You got a new name. Book of Revelation talks about that. Got a stone on it. There's a new name for you. Your new name is Jeff in Christ. Or Todd in Christ. It's, it's new. You're new. And verse 18 or verse 19, that is in Christ God was what? Reconciling. So here's the way that I see it. We are reconciled. You are made right in order to act right and be that new creation. You're reconciled to God. You're made right. You're, you're made just now in his eyes. Your debt has been paid. And now you act right. You live out your Christian faith. And look, those aren't option one and option two. That is the nature of being in Christ. You are made right. And then you are a new creation. You act right. Those are not options. That part's not Piccadilly. You are reconciled. You are made new. Therefore be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are in Christ. Galatians 2.17 But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. You are justified in Christ. Again, you're made right. Let me keep going. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in what? In Christ Jesus for what? Do you see it? You are justified. You're made right. And then you live right. So many people say, well, I've prayed a prayer. I went to church when I was young. I believe there's a God. And that's the depth of their quote-unquote Christianity. The Bible calls us to not only be made right, but to live right. And that living right, as John has taught us over the last two years, is the evidence of being made right. The true evidence of being made right is that we are living right. Galatians 3.14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. You are again. You receive all the blessings that God promised to Abraham on that night, that day. When he looked up and saw the stars and said, can you count them? You are blessed. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Remember, Jesus looked at a big crowd of people and said, you are sons of your father, the devil. Our natural state is to be a son of the devil. But Jesus Christ, in Christ, has made us a son of God. Praise the Lord. You're at church this morning, I hope. Because you are a son or daughter of God. You are in a new family with a new name. 
We sang it in the song this morning straight from Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He draws us to unity in Christ. And we're laborers with the same goal. Proclaim Jesus. Call people into the kingdom of God. Proclaim the dead and resurrected Savior. Drawing people to faith in Jesus Christ that they might know him and continue and then become laborers in the work with us. Y'all, I read an article this week. I read an article from a guy who used to be a Christian, and I'm putting that in quotes, who used to be a Christian and decided, eh, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm going to be worldly. And he said it is the evangelism is worthless. He said, you should never trust somebody who says you are a sinner and that they have the solution. And the solution is Jesus Christ. Never trust anybody who says that you have a problem, but I can give you the solution. And I thought, oh, oh, what a sore misunderstanding. This person thinks that the church is the solution. In his mind, he's thinking that the church is telling you you got a problem. You need to join our church. Now, let me let me be very clear about something. This church can't fix nobody. There is but one solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the one who fixes people. All we do is tell people about him, the fixer. And that's our job. I can't fix any. I know y'all. I can't fix any of you. But I know that Jesus has and will continue to do so. Oh, the joy of letting Jesus be our solution, not the church. That, that's, that's good stuff, y'all. We are one. That is our message. Ephesians 2, 6. And he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Again, we are now part of a new way of thinking, a new way of life. Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near. Not only, not only do you have the privileges of a Christian or being in Christ, you are brought near to God. You have fellowship with God, and your in Christness allows you to know God. You know, there are several more verses. I, I'm, I'm, I can't even finish. Do your study. If you are in Christ, it is a massive life-transforming change to you. If you are in Christ, there are many, many things you may not even comprehend. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your mind, your thinking, and your desires in your heart are transformed because you're in Christ. And there are more, there are more, more, more in Christ. 
So here is the question for each one of us to examine. Are you in Christ? Are you declared right in the eyes of God? Have you drawn near to God? Is your thinking and your desires, are they different than they were? Are you all of these things, are you kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving others as in Christ God forgave you? Are you, are you all of this? Because if you are, then you are in Christ. But if you are just in church, then you're in church. And I want to tell you, there's a difference between being in Christ and being in church. The world will play up, promote, and publicize all the sins of people who are in church. And they will paint Christians as people who are in church. But I want to proclaim to you what we know and what we proclaim is not ourselves. But we proclaim the holy name of Jesus and that he is our fixer. He is the author and he's the perfecter of our faith. He gave us our faith. And he completes our faith. That is Jesus. That is not the church. And that ain't no preacher. It's the spirit of God in a transformed life that is in Christ. So my question for you is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? And I hope that's a question that you wrestle with. Not are you in church, not do you like Jesus, not do you believe there's a God. Are you in Christ? If you don't know what that means, pull up Facebook when you get home, watch this message again, and get all these scriptures down, read them. If you, if you want to know more, I've got a list of more that I haven't even given you. Are you in Christ? You need to know that. Because the end of the verse says this. The end of verse, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, He is the true God and eternal life. And only those in Christ receive eternal life. If you are not in Christ, I want to invite you to come and, and, and talk to me. Talk to another person who's in Christ in this building. Have conversations about that. Talk through that. Figure out where you are. And know. Are you made new? Have you been made new? Ask God, oh, Father, forgive me. In Christ, forgive me. Father, make me new. In Christ. Father, transform me. In Christ. And sincerely praying those prayers will draw you near to God and bring you to peace with God for all eternity. My daughter has a new name. Do you? Let's pray.
Father, we are thankful and grateful that you have given us your son and that you have given us newness of life in Christ. Continue your work by your spirit in us, the spirit of Christ in us. God, transform us and make us more like your son. We love you. Let our church be laborers for you because we are in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.